I'm old. My back hurts. Okay, <laughs> there we go. It's late our time. It's 11 o'clock. It's our it's bedtime. <laughs> it's not your bedtime. It's not my bedtime. No, it's mine. Welcome to Gold and Great, telling Asian American stories from the gold rush to the gold open. to gold and great you're here with josh and welcome to a new format we're trying here at the podcast it's called a chat show every month you're going to be hearing from a group of collab staff and community members to talk about the issues we're wrestling and grappling with and of course because it's collab how media representation affects it all today we're joined by our friends from mixed asian media fest to talk about well what else but the cultural behemoth that is Marvel Studios' Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, starring this podcast's very first guest, Simu Liu, plus Collaboration New York alum Aquafina, the incredible Tony Leung, Michelle Yeoh, Treasure Trove, and the Asian actors. We dig into how martial arts has impacted Asian stereotypes, Minutia from the Shang-Chi comics and his racist origins, excitement of watching the film for the first time, the depiction of Asian American culture, San Francisco, Morris. It's a packed conversation and a really fun one. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at CollabSF and DM us what you loved, what you're processing, fun quizzes, all that good stuff. All right, and here we go. Um, well, welcome everyone to our next chat show. I want to make sure you can distinguish all of our voices because we've got a lot of amazing voices in the virtual room. Um, so I'm Josh, the executive director of Collab SF. Hey, I'm your friend. I'm Adrian. Uh, I'm your artist interview producer. Um, and I'm excited to, to chat with y'all. Hi, I'm your third best friend from Collab. Adrian and Josh, you use your first and second. And, you know, I've been producer and been involved for the show for a while. His name is Law. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Melissa. I'm the guest on this podcast. I guess I'm your new friend as well. Uh, I'm a podcast producer as well as a producer for Manfest. Hey, I'm Alex. I am the director of Mixed Asian Media Fest and the editor-in-chief of Mixed Asian Media. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, clap it up for Mixed Asian Media Fest. We're excited to have you all here. Melissa also with the podcast producing expertise, helping us out in the sound check earlier, which was a lot of fun. Learned a lot about my my Zoom or my Yeti mic. Um, so this is going to be a fun mics. convo. I appreciate it. Um, before we get started, though, I know we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi and just the, the wave of gold opens and excitement in the community right now. But first... 
Uh, we also have another really exciting week lined up. Uh, by the time this podcast drops, it's going to be opening night of the first ever Mixed Asian Media Fest, uh, which we at Collab are really excited about. We're a media partner. We're excited to have you all. Um, could you just share a little bit about what MAMF is and what people should be excited for? So I, I joke that Mixed Asian Media Fest uh, has turned into a Comic Con but it truly has. Uh, it is a festival celebrating the mixed creatives through the creative lens. And it's just a celebration of being mixed and all the amazing projects that everyone works on. But we have panels, we have Q and A's, we have celebrities, we have workshops, uh, we have special screenings and special performances. We have karaoke, we have, we have basically everything you could possibly imagine. Uh, it's pretty cool. I'm very excited for it just that you brought it up i am curious how is how is this virtual karaoke gonna go down how does that work that i'm not sure yet i have to <laughs> okay. talk that to is a question for our technical director <laughs> slash producer michaela who could not join us today but she has that on lock she has that all locked down i i'm just like tell me what to do i will do it i mean at five dollars a day you really can't beat this and if you weren't already excited about seeing more mixed narratives on screen, there's also this cliffhanger of seeing what virtual karaoke looks like. So, I, I'm dying to see what it looks like, too. Can I ask a question to verify this fact? Sure. Is Brandon Lee the first mixed Asian superhero in movies, technically? Ooh, that's Ooh. a good question. Find I out on trivia yes. nights. <laughs> Yes, yeah, cliffhanger there. Is Brandon Lee the first fixed Asian superhero? I'm going to double check on that. I'm going to tentatively say yes, but I am going to d- personally double check on that. Yeah, I, I don't know. But we can add this in our trivia night. The inner fact checker inside me says yes, but I, I don't know how reliable that is compared to like a Snopes or something. So. Right. The inner fact checker in me says yes, but also I'm sure there's some obscure, like when you say first mixed Asian superhero, do you mean within film, within comics, within television, like film. It's specifically in film? Or like on screen? That came out in theaters, not like a private like internet, right? It actually... Right, 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 right. Yeah, not like an indie VHS that got tossed around in the 70s or something. (laughs) I would then say yes, but I've got to fact check that and get back to you. So we've got that to look forward to. And then, Melissa, what are you personally most excited for um, for this first ever fest? Um, I mean, I am hopefully hosting trivia if the platform does what we needed to do. So I'm excited for that. I'm also excited for a lot of these panels that I, I'm i not a, like moderating, but I'm going to get to watch and get to see people who look like me, who, who do work that I respect, like talk about their careers. Like that's an opportunity I've never had before, um, specifically within the niche of being mixed Asian. And I'm also really excited for a final performance by Asian Pop and Crimson Apple. Uh, Asian Pop is a female comedy sketch group, and they do incredible sketches. Uh, yes. Alex and I have seen them live a couple of times, and they're, uh, they sent us a sketch. And then Crimson Apple is a sister band. All of them are sisters. They're all mixed Asian. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're so hot. And their music is incredible, and they're also doing a performance, and I'm super stoked for them. I'm very excited for them as well. 
I, I'm also excited for our Doogie Kame Aloha panel that we have. We have a panel with the cast and creative Courtney King. And I think it's it's also just coming out on Disney Plus, like right now, right? Yes, it is. It's okay. so good. I have to say, it's really cute, and I was ve- I was very happy with it. Okay, I'm excited. I know there was like also the Turner and Hooch reboot, which I wasn't super hyped for, starring Josh from Drake and Josh, but Doogie. Um, I'm really looking forward to. Oh, and I'm really excited for Relic. I don't love horror movies, but we do have a feature that we're doing uh, called Relic that is a thriller horror style style film. The director is uh, mixed in. It looks stunning and terrifying. Oh. Alex, is that very much also when you're oh, top it's one of my favorite horror fan? Yeah, it's one of my favorite films. And the director, writer, Natalie Erica James, is just the nicest human being. I, I'm, she reached out to me and was like, there's a magazine for us. I was like, yes, oh. there is. Oh my God, your movie's amazing. Let's be friends. Representation on, on both, all the cultural mediums. You love to yeah. see it. Uh, and then Alex, I just checking my notes here. I think you are going to be moderating about 50,000 panels. Um, this year that sounds about right fest. that sounds about right I uh, I yeah. have an email I have yet to send to my agents basically saying so I'm gonna be MIA please don't send me out for anything if you don't hear from me I'm alive everything's fine but I will be in a virtual space for five days just a void and yeah. I will eventually emerge it, it's um, like a black mirror episode <laughs> I, I mean the past two years have been a black mirror that is very episode. true but I know one of the panels that you're leading, um, really interesting. You're talking to a bunch of stunt performers that have since become stars. And, you know, we now have this film, Shang-Chi. Um, as you've been thinking about that panel, in addition to the other 49,999, um, what's something that you are excited to ask um, as we're starting to have this conversation again about martial arts kind of returning to the mainstream and just the relationship that um, a lot of folks in our community have had with martial arts um, for better and for worse. I guess one of the main questions I have for this group that I'll be asking is what is their reason for transitioning more into acting? Is it because of being stereotyped that all Asians know martial arts and now they want to have more representation or what, what is their reason? What is their journey? What has it been like? Um, for me as an actor, it's kind of ironic. I've started doing some more martial, martial arts now uh, just because I thought it'd be fun, but I, I want to know what their thoughts are on it. Cause I've, I'm kind of a little, it's kind of cringy to me in a way, just that every single audition notice lately for Asian Americans has been must know martial arts, must speak, insert Asian language here and have perfect English. Mm. So it feels like in a lot of ways that we are backtracking rather than making progress. Mm. So I guess my question is how do they perceive this new wave of martial arts films? Yeah. Um, excited to excited for that panel. Excited to dig into that a little bit more with you all. Um, but first, just thinking about Shang-Chi, just want to make it clear to everyone listening, no spoilers uh, until later on in the episode. So if you're worried about to switch to another podcast, don't. <laughs> you can maybe switch to the halfway point, but we'll let you know. We'll be, we'll yell or, I don't know, should there be some secret 
secret signal or something. There'll be a stinger or some something be like something. that. Show notes. Show notes. No putting a cool sound effect. Um, okay, but yeah, um, obviously this film did not just arrive into the ether. Um, it has taken decades, really, to get to this point. Um, but really, it started from some pretty racist origins. Uh, and so curious for you all, as you've been hearing um, some of the discourse about Shang-Chi and this character who, honestly, I, I mean, I had never heard about Shang-Chi until the movie was announced. And most people I know hadn't either. Um, what's something that you've learned about the Shang-Chi character um, that shocked you or that intrigued you as you learned a little bit more uh, about the origins. I know for me, um, I already knew that it, it's it's the 70s and, and like Kung Fu was sweeping, sweeping America with, with the, the, sh- uh, the show that um, was pitched by Bruce Lee and then ABC said, no, thank you, um, but we'll just take your idea. Um, and so we got, you know, David, David Carradine, Carradine doing his kind of. By the way, this show, that same show, is now rebooted with a female Chinese American lead. And it's really, it's CW. really fun. Um, it's so cool that both you have Kung Fu on the CW, and then you also have uh, Bruce's original Warrior on reinterpreted with with Shannon Lee and Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I also think it's so cool that you know, and we'll talk more about. Asians and martial arts when it comes to representation. But I think it's cool just to see Bruce's vision expressed in two very different ways with that kind of more family-friendly kung fu family drama format and then you got the you got Warrior with all of yeah. yeah HBO the games Max and the historical period and the teachings. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, do you have a a thing that you want to share or do you want do you want me to go? Go for it. So you sent us some reading material just to like kind of prep and get our mindset. And I was looking over it and some of the origin stuff I knew, like he's the son of Fu Manchu and Fu Manchu is from the yellow peril period of time and all of that. What I did not know is that in the comics, he was supposed to be mixed Asian and white. He's supposed to be half, uh, half. And uh, as I continue reading, someone said that the reason... No one really knows exactly the origins of why he was supposed to be mixed. And someone said it's because Stan Lee didn't like the way that they drew Asian faces. So they had to draw them to be kind of more white. This might be more of a a read on the artist, not on Asian faces in general. Um, But because of that, they had to make the face look more white uh, or more Western. And so they decided to make him half white in order to put it in the story and uh, justify it. Was it that hmm. they, they didn't, they didn't know how to draw Asian faces. And so they're like, okay, well, since all of, all of your shang Chi's look white, we're just going to make them half. Mixed white. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. There was a lot of like, what I liked about the piece you sent, which is a piece from inverse. <laughs> it's a three parter uh, was that a lot of the artists fully recognized the problems with the yeah. original origins and Fu Manchu and yellow peril and all of that. And uh, recognized their own shortcomings and how they were drawing these characters. And a lot of them say it's problematic. Then it's problematic now. Like it was always problematic, but you know, you can only can do the best you can within the confines of it being the seventies. And, um, the art, the 
it, it sounds like they tr- they tried and they only got so far and with 2020 2021 modern day vision it's still like wildly fucked up <laughs> yeah for sure okay great alex what what was something jumping out to you i guess what jumped i, I don't i don't know i feel like it still fit in, fits into the model minority myth of you work hard and then some good stuff happens to you Alex and I saw a comedian the other week who literally said that Mike Mike Wynn everyone check him out on Instagram he literally did a whole joke where he was like that character tried hard and then succeeded and that is that character's superpower that he tried hard so Asians just have to try hard and then we become superheroes work hard get good grades you become a superhero I come on Asians yeah so I guess that was like oh okay I, I honestly came into this movie not expecting much uh, I talked to Alex about this after we saw it. We saw it together uh, yeah. opening weekend yeah. uh, in New York. And I came out of it and I was like, Alex, this is the third movie we've seen with this exact template of Asian male who's secretly good at martial arts, has daddy issues, and has to go to secret land to be the hero. Like, yep. it, it feels very templated. And if, if this movie had come out when it was supposed to come out, I wouldn't feel that way. But we had seen Mortal Kombat, like, mm-hmm. a couple months ago. And then we saw Snake Eyes, Snake like, Eyes. a couple weeks ago. And then this movie. And so it, it feels like it's, yeah, kind of... Like, oh, look, it's uh, the same. Minimizing the... Yeah, it's... Film. Yeah. And also fun. I think it's the way screenwriter... more fun than those... I don't yes. want to bash those other movies. Yeah, but, yes. but the screenwriter is the same for both Mortal Kombat and for Shang Chi. So is it definitely, really? dun, dun. I'm looking that up right now. It could be a little Control C, Control V. Still, much I- love to Dave, <laughs> and you know, for getting us on screen. But just, just I mean, just have to point booked that out. and busy. Respect, right? If you can sell those studio heads the same movie and get paid for it, honestly, respect for you, sir. Good for you. Honor to us all. Um, Adrian <laughs> and Long, what was something that was coming up for you? Adrian, you go first. I got too much to say. So. <laughs> sure. I mean, I also I also came into watching the movie not knowing too much about the comic book origins. Um, all I knew was that, uh, you know, if you select more bigger name um, Asian people were on the cast, and uh, most virtually all the cast was uh, Asian. And so I think that was enough to get me excited to watch it, Uh, enough to get me and a friend to book a theater room to watch it. Uh, So that was interesting. I have never done that before. And so- We love a gold open. Actually that enhanced the experience um, for me. Yeah. As a group of 30 of us. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. And I didn't want to watch it with a super critical eye because I knew I wouldn't enjoy it. Because, it, you know, it's a superhero, you know, Marvel movie. And I've seen a ton of Marvel movies and honestly a little bit tired of them. So, I mean, with the different characters, I think, yeah, I, I thought it was entertaining. So the pivot little bit different angle like um shout out to gene yang he wrote um number one chinese so he's the only comic writer to win a macarthur award right that's huge 
And so he was one of the first Asian people to really push diversity through comics, right? So he came out with this book 2006, and then he had Greg Pak that he helped create um, the Asian Hulk. And then they actually had like a issue where they had all the Asian characters together. And I, I think Shang-Chi was part of that too. And they, you know, they made it very critical to talk to each other in this conflict. It was like, how could we never sit in a room together, you know? And they talked about like being typecasted as this Asian person in this comic. So it was kind of like breaking the fourth wall. And so in Marvel, they have made nods about like representation stuff that too. And so although Shang-Chi came from a racist background and it came in an unfortunate time where like every single fighting genre has to have a Bruce Lee stereotype, right? Like Street Fighter has his own, like Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat is a archetype of Bruce Lee. So they always copy that, right? So Marvel put their hand in that. And so Marvel with having Asian writers writing Asian stories you know, and the shout outs to Miss Marvel having her own show too. So like, I feel like yeah. when Simu said like, why don't we have Shang-Chi? So it's like one of those things where like, this is a property that had problematic things, but it was just one of those things they had to put the seed there to say like, oh, we have our Bruce Lee if you're going to, you know, do a version. And so they were just taking a property that's problematic, but putting in this work and putting in all this effort and make sure that like, the representations there. So for me, I actually had high hopes because how Marvel has, um, has did Asian stories in their comics to begin with. I've never read the comics, but I'm a big fan of Greg's generally. Um, we've mm-hmm. had him in on Mixed Asian Magazine a couple times. A um, couple? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, we also stalked him. We're big fans. We did <laughs> stalk him at a Comic-Con. Um, but anyway, so... I'm that just was saying that I'm a Marvel comic newbie. Um, I only under, I have only had a relationship with these characters via the films. And how did you feel going into this movie based on the past films? Because Marvel hasn't had a decent run of Asian American characters within the MCU genre, even if they have within the comics. I still had hope. I mean, the fact that they created, okay, what, well, I laughed really hard that out of all the celebrities, like when they announced and they, mm-hmm. they announced who they're gonna be playing, they just put Aquafina and it's her. I was like, oh my god, she's so big that it's just herself being in there, right? Think yeah. About it. They actually. Yeah. Yeah. This I don't think it's a spoiler, but like, her character's not in the comics. I don't think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So That's they brought her in, and as her star power and as that so I, that's where I think that pulled me in I was like okay maybe they're onto something I like that I like that a lot I think it's also interesting to see I feel like these kind of two separate tracks for how the MCU was done Asian representation and there was the part where you know I, I think they were trying trying their best and it was a whole controversy of well, there's this problematic character, the Ancient One in Doctor Strange, and instead of making a more humane version of what used to be that old, the old Asian wisdom doctor, whatever stereotype, we're just going to put a white person in there instead, and that will fix it. 
Well, also um, they put a white lady in that role specifically because that character was supposed to be a Tibetan monk. And if yeah. they kept it to be a Tibetan monk, China would not take the mm. film. And China makes Marvel a ton of money. A ton of money. So instead of changing it to a different ethnicity or a different like or Asian origin or changing it to a a lady, an Asian lady instead, Michelle Yeoh. Put Michelle Yeoh in again. We would have loved it. We would have eaten it all up. But yeah, they... Uh, shout out to the director of uh, Doctor Strange who recently apologized for that. I actually really appreciated that from him. Yeah. So you have that and I think the evolution of that. That, that was only five years ago, which is kind of crazy to believe. So you have that wow. and then at the same time, I think you do have a stable of, you know, Asian actors, whether it was on um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV with Ming-Na Wen and Chloe Bennett, who who is mixed. Um, to now having, you know, folks in, uh, what was it, on Iron Fist, which is, ugh, I could talk about that for a while. You had the white lead, you could have cast an Asian in that role, um, but there was a supporting character, Jessica Henwick. I think she also might be mixed. And she, she is. She's a friend of the, friend of the fam. <laughs> yeah, and she, she took up Wonderful. the mantle of Iron Fist by the end of the show. So. I would have paid so much money for her and uh, Mercedes Knight from... They were supposed to have a spinoff before Disney killed off all of the Netflix shows. Uh, just saying, Jess Henwick was supposed to lead a spinoff, Daughters of the Dragon. Would have been incredible. Oh, it would have been so cool. I dream about it too much. <laughs> um, wanted to pose this to you, um, to Melissa and to Alex, um, just to think about how, how we got here. Uh, obviously, the, the film does not exist in a vacuum. Uh, there are... There's the initial, these, these stereotypes uh, after Bruce Lee kind of kick-started um, this, this whole really movement um, in the U.S. for the popularity of martial arts and how that got attached to Asians. And then you also have the way that uh, organizations on the ground, uh, including Mixed Asian Media, um, formerly Hapamag, and Collaboration, um, organizations on the ground that have been talking about and fighting for increased representation uh, more humane representation. And so with those two things, what are um, two or three moments, films, organizations that you can point to where you see a direct line from their work to this film now being on, you know, thousands of screens across the world? I, I don't think you can talk about this genre without talking about Asian American Iron Fist and the Nerds of Color. Yeah. Specifically yeah. Keith Chow. Uh, who's uh, also a, a friend of ours and and also one of the our uh, sponsors for Mamfest. Nerds of color, yeah. Uh, Keith really spearheaded the idea of an Asian American. I mean, he literally started the hashtag Asian American Iron Fist and was, I think, one of the first, at least in my memory, who really spearheaded the idea of an Asian American lead superhero. And this was like way before they cast. Danny Rand, like they had just announced, like maybe this is something in the works. And um, obviously, Iron Fist turned out totally different and it was a big departure from the idea. But Keith, I think, had really laid out a really beautiful template that Shang-Chi kind of followed actually about how an Asian who lives in America can go back to Asia to have a little bit of a different motherland experience and how. Yeah. Uh, those nuances can really serve as a humane way to be a martial arts superhero. Uh, that's always been a moment that I think, at least for me, really changed the direction of how these movies get made and how we talk about them and what we as an Asian American community demand of them, frankly. 
Yeah, and I, I have to say also to piggyback off of that, I just think the last, I don't know, has it been like eight years, something like that, between, oh God, uh, uh, what's that film with my favorite, Scarlett Johansson? Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, which I think I want to say came out in 2017. Yeah. Because Ghost we did that for our old podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like between the public outcries within the Asian American community has really uh, become very loud. And that, I mean, not that it wasn't loud prior to that, but social media has really paved the path for Shang-Chi now. I think without social media, I think we would still be had. I think it would have been a white guy personally playing this part if it wasn't social media. I also mm. think that organizations like East West Players have been very vocal lately, have used their platform on social media to, to help elevate smaller platforms as well. Strong Asian Lead is another one who's also very vocal. Uh, we're very vocal. I also think that maybe I, I'd like to think our podcast, We're Not All Ninjas, was one of the first ones like it at the time to talk yeah. about Oh, look at all this yellow face that's happening. And uh, this is terrible. So yeah, I think that's just a combination. A and I really just think it's a combination of social media and people, you know, generation. It's no, no longer the first generations. There's several of us that have, our families have been here for like three generations now. And maybe we're more Americanized. Yeah. But we're also not afraid to be silent. And we're, we're not afraid to speak up. And we do now. And we have a very big platform to do it. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I think when we're able to speak up, we also are able to imagine things that maybe, you know, predominantly white gatekeepers were not. Um, I think of, you know, another social media campaign when when Will Yu did the hashtag starring John Cho campaign too. And so what like what if what if we did Asians in movies other than the one martial arts movie we got every 20 years or the one family drama we got every 30 years, you know? I guess that's also a question I have for you two of, you know, we're, we're talking about Shang-Chi and um, lots of fun, also another martial arts movie. What's like another genre that you're really excited for Asian Americans to um, lead or star in or have a fresh new take on that would be fun for you to see? You know what I'd love to see is uh, more Asians and specifically Asian Americans in dystopian fiction because I think there's a lot of Orientalism in dystopian fiction and yes, uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, Asian motifs without Asian faces. Shout out Blade Runner. Shout out Blade Runner. That's exactly oh what I was thinking. God. Yes. Yeah. 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 Talk a while about that. Um, Adrian and Long, uh, we've been talking about, you know, these these kind of origin stories before this movie origin story. What is a, a film that you enjoyed or that you've seen um, that you feel is kind of a direct tie to now seeing Shang-Chi on the screen? One thing I do say about Black Panther, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this is definitely a Hong Kong movie because <laughs> of the globalization, right? People don't realize a lot of... A lot of Hong Kong movies are like it's about should they have closed borders or open borders, right? And so they're exploring things that's not a Western thing of like, oh, here's a problematic white dude that's kind of shitty. He meets a girl, oh, less shitty, and then he beats everything. It's like here's his country. They have their stuff together, and it's like should we open the doors? And we're scared. We're also scared of Westernization, and that's a huge theme 
especially the Once Upon a Time in China series with Jet Li, where a lot of that movie is about westernization and like keeping traditions and stuff. And um, I saw that theme, which is probably universal with developing countries or first developing countries as to America keeps thinking it's like, we're the neutral new person on the block and we haven't did all those bad things for the past 20 years. But, um, but yeah, like that itself, like um, kind of maybe feel like, Oh, this feels like an, an Asian movie, but you know, it's like that kind of thinking. Yeah. And long, I know that, Kevin Feige has said in interviews um, that him and the Marvel creative team, as they saw the cultural reaction to Black Panther and seeing how how powerful it could be um, for communities to see themselves represented, that that also inspired a number of the projects that have been coming up, like like Shang Chi. Um, Adrian, did you also have something to? Or the the connecting piece for me was actually the music. So uh, I don't know if y'all know, but. Black Panther, when the movie was released, there was an also an album release with huge names, bunch of collabs, and it went really well with the movie. Um, and they did the same thing with Shang-Chi, um, Ten Rings, and then they dropped an album with, uh, I think it was a collab with uh, 88 Rising and a few other uh, artists that some I haven't heard of. I think they're bigger overseas, but um, I was impressed by the, yeah, the, the artist list on that album. Um, and so I think f- the, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of this uh, branching out, like outside of the movies, uh, tapping into different pools of, of talent in um, the smaller uh, communities, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. Um, cool to see that like rising tide lifting boats in, in the musical world as well. And when I saw that Shang-Chi was going to be made, I was like, you have to do an album with 88. <laughs> um, I need to shut myself up because I, we were starting to talk about this in the live last night. Could do a whole additional podcast episode on how I was seeing the album tie back to um, 70s music and what that means for yeah. the Asian American community. But I was shut up about that. We'll save that for another podcast. Um, want to talk? Want to talk uh, more directly about the film? Um, I, I think we'll put like a fun sound effect here, and I'll be like, "Woo, woo!" Spoiler Basically. space. You know what you're talking about. I don't even need to put a. I don't even need to put a lot better than what we used to do. We didn't even give a spoiler alert. I was just like. Y'all know what you're doing now. Here it is. You yeah. press play. You could... <laughs> you're responsible for your own you can choices. Pause. You can pause. Just pause right now. Yeah. I'm also terrible about spoilers, so I'm sorry. Just bleep out any spoilers I, I'm not supposed to give. And we're, we'll, we're see, spoilers we'll see though, how right? much editing we do. Yeah, yeah this is a spoiler okay. section. This is a spoiler okay, space. Would love to know for everyone just what is a particular moment from the film that really resonated with you, um, either either for good or for bad, that you just want to talk about that maybe is still on your mind or that came up in multiple conversations um, after you've seen the film. I think the biggest thing for me, and Liz yes. is going to kill 
kill me is I was here for all the Asian daddy issues. <laughs> I loved it so much. I was all for it. Um, it was my favorite thing of the whole film, which is probably sad. Wait, are they there for the daddy issues or are they there for Tony Long? Everyone is there for it. They, they <laughs> We're all there just, for Tony. Yes. I'm with you. I'm there for Tony Long. He's the best daddy of all the daddies issues out of all three of these movies. I am there for it. But like, like we were saying earlier, oh my God, he is thus the, give me all the daddy issues with him. Um, but no, we were saying earlier, there's just been a slew of these films. I think Hiro Yukusanada is still my favorite daddy of the daddy, daddy issues, issues. But that's because I love him. So um, but yeah, Tony Lung was phenoms in this movie. I've never seen him in anything. And I'm so excited. I'm going to watch all of his movies now. I mean, he's, all of his stuff now. I mean, he's just such a brilliant actor. I mean, he took this character that's supposed to be a villain, villain, and just made him so heartbreaking, and you just felt for him. Oh, 100%. I was so Heart impressed, and I, I think he stole the movie, in my opinion. Like I, like I really just would like them not to keep moving forward with the series, and like let's let's do let's backtrack i want to learn more about him it's a trilogy let's, of prequels. let's do a whole origin <laughs> film on him yeah. i think that would be honestly way more interesting oh let's oh, we yeah. don't talk about that in this better house. than as long um, as they do it better than star wars i my my roommate uh tony Lung is his, his favorite <laughs> actor and so he's been wanting me to watch his work for a long time and so i saw shang chi saturday of opening weekend so the night before i was like Got some time to kill, so I put on um, In the Mood for Love. That's the Wong Kar Wai film that he's really famous for. And he's, it's just like him like brooding with like beautiful lighting <laughs> and it. cinematography um, with like a woman that he can't have. And they like... Oh, uh, oh. I love it. The, like the eyes, all that same intensity, definitely there in Shang-Chi. You just I'm all you for can't this. look yeah. away. Ooh, also, um, you know, Sean or Tony is five seven, five eight. Oh, really? But wow. he doesn't. You don't. You, you no. don't notice it, or you don't care on screen because he's just so you don't, no. magnetic. Yeah. You don't care. I don't think you care. But also, just to me, it's another the cinematography. And this was also great. camera magic. There's also, great little representation little for like five. You know, five feet <laughs> men just like doing their thing and killing it. Go Tony. Yeah. Yes. I also really enjoyed the sister. I actually wanted to learn more about her. She was a lot more interesting to me as well. Uh, maybe they'll yeah. do a spinoff. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Give her a TV show. Did you watch show. the end credits? Oh, of course. That's why I'm like, give her a TV show. I want to see what happens now. I think they were alluding to that. I hope so. They were alluding to that because they had the exact same setup as um, Boba Fett. Oh. Yes, so the way they panned right. out, and it said, we'll be right back. So. Fingers crossed. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, this is going to sound so dumb, but I, I really enjoyed, like, the minor karaoke scenes. Yes. I'm really big into, like, yes. what is Asian American and, like, what is the difference mm -hmm. between Asian American culture and Asians in America? Because, mm. like... I'm th I'm what's called Yongsei, which is fourth generation, but like also third generation Asian American. And yeah, I feel much closer to Asian American culture than I do like Japanese culture. And so any hints, I, I, I find that a lot in the US and in the West, there's a lot of like 
otherism because you're an immigrant, but nothing that supports what it is to actually live in this country and be a part of be an American, but also live in Asia, within a different culture within America. Mm. Um, Minari like kind of touched on it. Uh, Always be my maybe did a beautiful job of it. They did a great job of that. The farewell did a beautiful job of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, those little hints, like going to karaoke with your friend late at night, w- was kind of a bit of that for me. Because I was like, that's what me and my friends do. That's where I see myself. It's just like getting drunk in a karaoke room late at night. We used to do that. We used to do that. <laughs> we used to do that. So, yeah, I, I have to. I mean, we're all back. We can do it again, Alex. That's true. We, we, we should. After the festival. Yes. Yes. My birthday's coming up. We could do that. When, uh, when there's virtual karaoke. Yes, we have uh, virtual karaoke. Yeah. But yeah I will I, say the... Oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was just, I was going to piggyback on that, that... I, I also really enjoy seeing the the Asian Americanness because I'm also I'm third generation as well, so I'm very I'm not really connected to my Asian roots. Uh, we, that's a whole another thing. Internment, woohoo! Um, yeah, internment was yeah. rough on our families, y'all. It really cuts you off. It cuts you off, man. Um, so yeah, and also like even my my husband's side of the family, they're, they're they've been in the U.S. since before the railroads so they're really americanized is my and and they're chinese so like there's just no i don't know there's not much connection other than like for me as food and then like the karaoke and and it's just nice to see that being put into the films you know being being from multiple generations my family i'm i'm sixth generation chinese american and so um something that was coming up along with the karaoke scenes which i loved um Really, really minor stuff with with Aquafina's character Katie, um, when um, Tony Leung is asking her to say her her Chinese name, and those moments where she didn't know how to speak, and as someone who I I can oh. order dim sum, I can I can maybe have a short like I can't speak Chinese I can say I can't speak Chinese. Um, <laughs> That's that's about it. And so that was definitely a very like relatable moment of being in that space. When and Ronnie Chang says I speak ACB, ABC, ABC yeah. with with no other explanation, just I speak ABC. All that needed to be said. We knew. I I loved how Tony Lung was like American girl. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It, re- it reminded me of um, I studied abroad in in Hong Kong in college and it was always so funny to me that I would go with my um my canto speaking friends and we'd roll into the the restaurant or the bar or whatever and they would look at my friend we we hadn't been talking and they would look at my friend and start talking in canto they look at me and be like so what do you want <laughs> and i feel like that's, wow. that's 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 the energy yeah i had a similar experience in japan where my fam my mom my brother and i would walk into a place yeah and if we weren't speaking or if my mom started speaking to them, we'd have like a good 30 seconds of them being like, okay. And then as soon as she would flip to English or we would say something, they would like, um, or even they'd look at us, me and my brother, we're clearly mixed. We would, they would flip menus over because oh. they have Japanese menus and English. English on the other side. Yeah. So we could briefly get away with it. And it's like, but you're not, you're American <laughs> and that's fine. And that's fine. Uh, yeah. Something I, did connect to is growing up I watched a lot of Chinese movies and, and dramas with my parents I'm there they were the ones that immigrated so I'm second generation 
But something I noticed in Shang-Chi was the depiction of the mythical creatures, uh, the way that the CG was done. And I, I'm going to be honest, it looked, I was sitting real, I was in the second row. I was real close to the screen. It looked pretty tacky, but that to me felt like a callback to like, oh, the C CG and like those Chinese movies where, you know, it's all about like how, uh, you know, fantastical the action was and it wasn't a, about the realism and i definitely saw that in like the dragon scenes and then i really loved how the like those lion creatures were were drawn the food dogs yeah yeah those they're, they're beautiful i don't know yeah was it you that looked over at me melissa it was me <laughs> and she's like is this pokemon <laughs> oh, I said that to you. But the other thing I said to you was the dragon came out of the water. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Sisu, Aquafina's oh, character yes. from Raya. Oh. It's the same look. Same look. I mean, Disney. the MCU is really expanded. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's Disney. They're all Disney. So they all just Disney. have like the same. I don't know if they have the same storyboard people or creature creators or whatever, but it's was. I'm not mad at it. They casted the same dragon, you know. <laughs> they yeah, he's did. He's casted now as that role. He's or, in or the, pe that the family. Dragon, yeah. I heard he is trying to move into maybe more of like the rom-com space, but yeah. we'll see how dragons do there. One thing for me for the movie is that like, you can tell they all did the homework because I'm going to push back. Like, Simo just didn't go to the motherland, right? Like there's elements of like, even Tony being from China wasn't allowed to be there. The, the the whimsical world, oh, right? you know, yes. and so this whole time he's trying to find a way in through money and through capitalism, right? And Evie's from there, and so there's still like a distance from that. So there's like a little bit for me watching a lot of Hong Kong movies where like these familiar beats, but they were able to understand it and change it up just enough where it wasn't. It didn't feel like it was at a um, a caricature of attempt to make something that's like something from Hong Kong. So there's just enough kind of like changes for me to like carry through, even though I knew the beats. But I did like, if you, if I think thinking back now, like Tony was trying to get there and he couldn't, and he's from China, and something was not allowing him, and then he had to pull his children in, and then Stimu didn't get his powers just by getting there. They're like, no, you have to come and help us. We have the tools, just help. You know what I mean? So it's like he was kind of still involved in a bigger world that was already established, but it wasn't like, oh, you're a Western person here's these powers, you can defeat everything, but everyone else held their own in that world too. So I think there is some care of those things. Um, but going back to having like Tony, like knowing what he was doing, I kind of trusted the story when I saw him and like putting these elements in and and each Definitely. world had its own flavor where like China, like San Francisco was like in the heart or like actually grew up in those I lived in those apartments. They started up top in Russian Hill. I used to live there. I remember that breaking out of the corner and then they kind of went through Knob Hill. And then there's a contrast to show like, oh, um, the expelled Asian person in the the illegal crime syndicate part, right? So that's like the underground part of Asia that we don't, you know, the model minority, but there's also the dirty side. And so that's where they had the jokes there. And then they went to the whimsical part, but still from there, it was kind of like, not just overly simplified like okay like he goes here to find his powers and stuff but it was just a little bit more tension because tony's couldn't get in there as well um 
And then the callback to um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with the bamboo force and stuff. That was pretty cool to see that. And, you know, there is, for me, as seeing so many of these movies, it felt like, oh, this person knew what they're doing. It kind of reminds me of that one song by Drake um, that sampled Lauryn Hill. What's that song called? Nice for what? Nice for what? It's like that song didn't push anything new, but it's like, oh, those are familiar things. Like mm. it's all just like good, familiar beats that I, it makes it fine. And so for me, I was like, it. They did their homework to hit all these parts of like, okay, like again, the callback to Jackie Chan. Like that was a good shot of like wide shots. So um usually marvel a lot of american movies they do six cuts per punch right because a lot of these actors don't know how to fight so like there's a lot of big shots wide shots to show a full punch contact and it shows that they did their they knew how to fight and then there's Mm -hmm. the panning shot of the bus that was a one shot so jackie chan is known for having big wide shots to show the big scene instead of changing the angle all the time to show off like action. his production reaction yeah. because notoriously whenever he, jackie chan films if he messes up they start all the way in the beginning they don't just do it a thousand times and cut it up he actually starts it from the beginning and it goes all the way through and it has a rhythm um and so because of his background of like um acrobatics it's on a timestamp, so there's like quick editing and it's also on the metronome too and so that right there i can tell the beauty of like the editing i was like just marvel enough but then there's wide shots of actually fighting that didn't feel like it was jarring there's that one clip of um taken what's his name the actor Liam Liam Neeson. there's a clip of him like trying to jump effects and it takes like 20 shots because he's he's like the guy's like 60 and like so they try to make him jump on a fence and they cut like 20 times and so like this was just like that level of fighting it felt really like authentic as well it didn't feel like, you know, I was like, ah, oh, they bastardized this down. And so there's just so many, for me, it was just familiar things of like, you when you go to your friend's house and you, you can trust the mom's going to cook you something you like. That's mm. how I felt. Mm. And two factoids with what you just shared, Long. One, Simu actually had a recurring role in the TV show version of Taken, which was very quickly canceled. Um, and then you mentioned the um, Jackie Chan inspiration in the cinematography, and it was cool to see how that worked out in their in their fighting styles as well. Um, since I know the the fight choreographer who unfortunately passed away right before the film was released, um, he was trained by Jackie Chan, and they tried to you know meld each style of martial arts based on the character. And so for for Simu and for Shang Chi, more Jackie Chan like, and how he just kind of fights with his surroundings more um down and dirty um versus a tony lurring or some of the other characters who come from uh backgrounds where maybe more from from nature or from power and so their their styles are a lot maybe more clean and stuff like that so again the attention to detail when you have people who are able to relate to our actual experiences and perspectives is is really key last thing before we jump into our final section long how do you feel about um the representation of san francisco in the first act little do y'all know i sent a picture of the one bus and it said to josh in a group that i'm like i'll be right back about to cut up this bus (laughs) (laughs) so i I will not be checking the news today (laughs) so it's it's not happening 
it was pretty off. I actually, like I said, I used to live there. I lived right below that that hotel, and boy, did I feel out of place, fish out of water. I felt so broke, right? And so, like that feeling of all those cars. Yeah, those cars used to drive by my place to be like, haha, you can barely afford your rent. My gas costs as much as your rent. Um, you know that the bus they actually shot on the bus. I just watched um, they um, a trailer or the interview saying like they hit their elbow a lot on the bus and it was really tight corridors, right? And you know I think I didn't watch Ant Man, but I'm pretty sure they they got all the stock San Francisco shots out of the way. But like this is straight in like they went straight in Chinatown. It wasn't a friend's um apartment you know friends like they live in a mansion it's like there's no way they're building they have like this huge apartment and then they have two bedrooms and then they, they go next door like it looks small um and then like actually my friend lives on that street where they had to shut it down where they cut the butts in half so i usually i usually drink there all the time like, oh yeah like there goes my restaurant it was pretty authentic and uh, um and also, like, pitting parts of San Francisco where, like, middle, lower-class people live, kind of. And that was kind of cool, too. They didn't hit, like, for some reason, they didn't drive through the full house, house, <laughs> and then they didn't go through the bridge. And right. then they somehow, right. like, showed up, like, right. I don't know. It, it felt close. I mean, Garavelli popped in out of nowhere of, like, Christmas War. At the end, yeah. But it was tight enough where, like, oh, yeah, I live most of my years there. Like, I actually would, like, go home to like breaking my nine to five and going yeah. through there, you know? So I, I loved it. That that's Yeah. Shouts to uh, our friend oh, Kevin yes. Marr, who's listed as a production assistant um, in the credits um, as a collab alum. Uh, before we go, um, Melissa and Alex, we always like to ask our guests, um, what's been golden great. We're going to theme it to the, the release of Shang-Chi could you all share as a result of all the cultural conversation that's been coming up through this film, what's something that you've seen um, maybe online, uh, a picture, a video, a story that you consider golden great? Yeah, the first thing that comes to um, mind is this kind of uh, rise of Tony Lung in, a, in Western minds. Um, I have a friend, shout out to Sandy Chang, my friend who has been talking about him for years. And she was the one who was first like, you need to watch these movies and this guy and blah, blah, blah. And I texted her after the movie like, all right, I'm in. I get it. I've seen it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to have more of him, have more of like his style and him get res- the respect he deserves. And also him just like single-handedly uh, bring up how hot Asian dudes can be because <laughs> he's fine. I don't care how old he is. He's great. <laughs> big fan this this section of our podcast was just like hot asian dudes you should know about and like tony lung would be it for this movie for sure i should say sidebar we need yeah. tony more than tony needs us he's lived his life and became oh a star, absolutely right? same with michelle yo like michelle yo you know yeah they they don't care about it they're fine yeah no they're fine they don't need us at all yeah i'm more excited for us but we to need have them, them and, and i would like to have tony in our lives and this is for us and not for him. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need us, but I, I, I hope that we see more of them in the American movies because it, it makes it more accessible to everyone audiences, not just to Asian American audiences, but everyone. And I think it's, 
as much as I am a little annoyed that we keep seeing Asians, American Asians play, doing the Kung Fu thing. And, uh, that's their superpower, not necessarily like something lasers out of the eyes. It's a form of representation and it's something that kids do not have. I didn't have growing up. I'm sure you guys didn't have, none of us had growing up. So hopefully the next generation will be a little more well-adjusted. Definitely. Alex, was there something that you found going in great as a result? Um, Killing it at the box open. office. Yes, we love Definitely. a gold, that gold open. open that gold open. And I just love the fact that, you know, it's Marvel. It follows, it follows a pattern. We all know that. But it's still digestible, and it's just a nice way to lose yourself at a film. And I really enjoy seeing my friends my non-Asian friends react to it and, and they enjoy it and my Asian friends enjoying it. And just, I think it's bringing people together and I, it's nice to see that. So that's something I, yeah, I I've, I've gotten out of it. Entering the, uh, the mainstream in this way. And there's this joyful representation for us is just really cool to see everyone react and respond to it. Um, we're also excited and are really thankful for the way that you all are bringing mixed narratives but more into the mainstream doing this first mixed Asian media fest. Um, do you want to just share a little bit before you go on how people can find the fest, access it? Cause it's going to be virtual this year and it's starting uh, this podcast drops opening night. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't gotten your ticket yet, you still can, you can purchase tickets throughout the fest, the duration of it. Um, easiest way would be go to mixedasianmedia.com backslash fest with a, a small F, not a capital or Instagram, we're all over at ma'am underscore fest. Uh, what else? Facebook. I'm, we're posting everywhere. Yeah, I would say that those are the, those are the ways to find us. Social media. You, you can't miss it. Awesome. We'll see you there. And then also just want to hype up. You all have have the we're all we're not on. Ninjas We've been in hiatus podcast. for a while and, <laughs> and we're going to uh, be on hiatus for at least one more year. For like, I've it's been a, a while for the final episode, but uh, we are going to remain but, on hiatus until that plan can be enacted. We we're are gonna not wa- going to watch Aloha, Aloha ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> we already did Welcome that. We watched Great Wall. We watched uh, oh, that ScarJo movie. We watched a bunch of bullshit back in 2016, 2017. Yes, we do we not did. have to go back. Wow, you all have iron stomachs and minds. Shout out to oh, you. Oh, I've apologized to Alex so many times for the films I've made oh, her watch. Yes, she has. Because I would be there being like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, we, and we had to pay money for you them, made me too. pay for this? <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're excited for all of the uh, ensuing conversations and uh, from Shang-Chi and more narratives coming our way. Uh, thank you. But thanks for joining. This was really fun. Thank you for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. You can send questions, comments, and episode ideas our way to goldandgreat at collaboration.org. And don't forget, collaboration is spelled with a K. You can send this episode to a friend who might enjoy it And if you can, leave us a positive review on any podcast platform to help more folks find the show. As we mentioned, Mix Asian Media Fest has their opening night tonight and is running through September 19th. To get your tickets, go to mixedasianmedia.com slash fest or go to their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Their handle is ma'am, M-A-M underscore fest. Other resources, including the Inverse article series we mentioned, will be listed in the show notes. 
And here's something for you. Another bonus is also dropping in your feed today. Our first episode and interview with Simu Liu recorded a few months before he got the role discussing Asian masculinity and even mentioning the need to have an Asian anchor or franchise and talking about wanting to be an action star. Our entire community is so proud of you, dude. This episode was mixed by Adrian Chen with some game day support from Melissa Slaughter and edited by Josh Ko. Our interview producer is Adrian Chen. Our supervising producer is Long Vo, and our executive producer is Josh Ko. Our beautiful theme song was composed by Robert Gu, and you can learn more about Bobby's work at bobbygemusic.com. I'm Josh, and as always, we'll see you soon with more stories of the gold and great. Thanks for listening. Happy Gold Open. <laughs>